maximize every opportunity so that you can become you. legendary. Become legendary. What adjustments can you make right now to make yourself one percent better? Your only goal is to be the best version of you. Welcome to Becoming Legendary. This week, we are here with Asher Pacman, um, president of Meditation Australia, founder and director of Warrior Within, The Fifth Direction and The Sauce, and a former regional VP at AOL. Nice to have you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate being here. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> um, first off, I love, I love your setup. Are you, um, are, are you in a van right now? I am in the back of my van, indeed, which is um, kind of a sacred space for me. I, I, yeah. I spend a fair amount of time here, um, either by the by the beach or, or somewhere in the, the, the great Australian bush, getting away as much as I can. Like whenever I see a little window of opportunity, um, I yeah. take off, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. So um, I want to I wanna kind of work through, you had a series of really significant life events. Um, and I don't want to get so much into the details of those events because I think that there we all have these significant events that push us in the direction the universe wants to take us. And I want to kind of move past those events for you without without diminishing the fact that they have the, that we have them, right? Like we all have events. Um, your events were huge and significant, but they've pushed you into this life uh, away from this corporate experience and into this experience where you can find windows of freedom to explore the, the Australian bush in a van. I mean, that, that's a pretty cool place to be. Um, so c congrats, I think, is, like, is, the, is, the, is the energy that I want to share from that. When, when, when we're going through those significant events though, right? They don't always feel like the gifts they end up being. Um, can you give me a little bit of window of insight into just, you know, what the experience of looking back and, and recognizing and recognizing the, the threads of incre incredible universal pull that have, that have unveiled themselves to you? Yeah. Uh, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, yeah. Kind of figuring out where the starting place is in, in the answer to that one. Um, yeah, I mean, just reiterating what you're saying a little bit there, you know, I, I totally agree with everything you just said there. You know, um, I think that the arc of a human life kind of, you know, we have these these ups and these downs and kind of the, the way the, the depths of those or, or how they present to you is, um, is, is individual. But, you know, maybe we call it the hero's journey, something like that. But... Um, there is a certain um, flavor to life that we all we all encompass. But you know, what wakes you up? You know, it might be the loss of a loved one, or a chronic illness, or a, or a divorce, or a bankruptcy, or anything. Or it might be like you know, tripping over and stubbing your toe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it can. It, it really, it, it really kind of depends. I mean, for me, I always believe that the universe kind of gives you the lesson at the level that you need it. You know, um, yeah. and for me, uh, looking back, I, I wasn't listening. You know. Um, and, and I try to talk about, I often, I often use the, 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 um, the metaphor of the feather, the brick and the train, uh, the, the universe will always kind of, um, try to recorrect you on your, on your path and your purpose. You know, it starts off subtly, maybe it's a tickle under the chin here and there, but, uh, generally speaking, um, particularly us men, um, we don't seem to listen. And, um, and so, you know, 
things start happening which are a little more gravity and a little more depth you know and you might get a you might get a punch in the face and if you still don't want to listen then it could be a full-on train wreck you know and for me um as 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 you were alluding to i had a couple of you know three in fact very significant events kind of all in a row and um yeah, they, they, they sat me down on my, on my ass, you know, but um, I, I don't think that I would have listened to the universe if I'd had a lesson any less than that. So that's that's kind of a, a long answer to that question. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the time when each of those things happened, I mean, it, where I was in my life, they seemed like very bad things. Yeah. You know, si- sitting across um, from someone in a hospital and learning that you have blood cancer doesn't seem like a very good day at the time. Yeah. But, you know, when I look back 10 years later, I, I can absolutely see the blessing and the gift in that. In fact, um, I wouldn't give it back. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, re- I really wouldn't give it back. And, and sometimes, you know, not even jokingly, I'll say that maybe the three best days in my life were, were getting married, watching my son being born and being diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. I, I have to chime in with that, Asher. I, I, um, <laughs> Patrick knows this story well. I won't go into the detail. And Asher, you do too about, about my mother. And and it's it's an it's often <laughs> the, the more time that that passes for me, um, and the more space that I've that I've created between that 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 traumatic event in 2012 and today, the the more the more I'm thankful for that. And 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 the more the more that my mother. Um, the more thanks that I give, the more that she speaks through me. So she speaks through me by, by the way that I'm living my life now. And it's a, it's a palpable sensation that I feel when I'm, when I'm on the right path, when I'm, when I'm making the choices that are, that, that support um, the amount of grief and the, and the amount of sadness that I felt. So I think there's a, there's a direct relation to, to how much I'm giving in my life on a day-to-day basis in the depth of that, of that day. And just like you were saying, like, I'm so thankful for, for that day in September of 2012. I really, really am. No, the yeah. gifts, yeah, the gifts not- of the universe really do come in all shapes and sizes. They, they um, oftentimes are packaged in things that we might not necessarily be asking for in the moment. Um, but the way they blossom is, uh, is a really beautiful thing to experience throughout the course of, of those ups and downs, Asher, those ups and downs of life. So getting pushed, um, from corporate uh, onto a onto a focus of health and well being. What was the biggest? What was the biggest thing you noticed? Uh, like what the impact that had the the biggest change or the biggest grasp on you right out of the gate? Was there something that just really speaks to you when you made that that transition or that decision? Hmm. Yeah. Um, you're asking all the easy questions up front, Patrick. I appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Um, no, I love not, easy questions. It's, it's great to cut to the chase. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, look, um, you know, I guess probably the most profound moment um, came to me. Uh, I was actually sitting in a psych ward, to be honest. I mean, after all these things that happened, um, I literally couldn't take another step I hit ground zero I literally sat down in the middle of the street and um and so you know it's quite literal in the sense of couldn't take another step and I remember a short time later maybe a day or two later when I was in the in the ward it it just kind of hit me um 
like a like a like a brick between the eyes you know that that um things had to change like like if i continued on the path that i'd been living it was it was it was going to end really badly you know um and there was this real moment of of rock bottom when i couldn't have even expressed where i was you know um i always say to people you know often i'll hear people say oh man you know i've hit rock bottom and i'm like you you haven't because you can still express it. <laughs> There's a place that you can go where it's beyond words, you know, and I found myself in that place. And that's when the information started coming in. You know, yeah. I'd realized that um, my, my father had been, you know, he'd, he'd traveled the corporate road and my mother had always traveled the, the health and well-being road, you know, mm-hmm. and there was this moment where I realized I'd just been trying to replicate my dad's life. And while that wasn't altogether mm-hmm. terrible, it just wasn't my path, yeah. you know. And when I listened to the voice in my head that was directing me, um, it had my father's tonality to it, you know. Um, yeah. And I started to hear more of my my mother's voice coming in, and and all the things that she did when I was young, like the chanting and the yoga practice, which I'd always kind of derided, you know, in some way, you know. Oh, she's like that. I suddenly kind of realized that she'd gotten a few things right, you know, <laughs> and maybe I needed to turn my attention more that way. And, you know, and for me, the biggest thing that came in was actually meditation guys. Um, it, it was, it was just literally sitting in stillness and allowing all this, this jumbled thoughts that were in my mind about everything that had just happened over the last little while leading me to that place and just not resisting that stuff anymore. And just being able to sit with it, sit in the shit, basically sit in the shit yeah. of it all. Yeah, and just allowing whatever it was underneath all that to to start to rise, you know, and 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 you know, asking these really big questions of myself, like what what was the meaning of my existence? What was I intending to do on the planet with the rest of however much life I had left, given everything that had just transpired, you know? Yeah, and um, I think that was the first time in my life that I really kind of turned the dial inward and asked yeah. myself what was really going on there, you know, rather than looking externally of myself for, for everything. It's, it's really that, and I'm going to use this from you, Asher, it's really that fifth direction, mm. right? That um, you have, of course, north, south, east, and west, and that I, this is from your, from your um, I don't want to call it a studio, or is it a, is it a shop or a center? It's not a shop. It's a center or a studio, I would mm. presume, um, the fifth direction. And that, that, is, that, that really resonated with me when I was reading about your about about everything that you're involved in what what a cool name to to call a center that 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 does that does nothing but um turn the dial right about face and 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 allow you to give you that first puts up that mirror that reflection and 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 by going inward you're allowed to you're you're giving space to allow people to connect deeper to themselves and and with that connection come all of the all of the beauty and then all of the, maybe all of the opposite side of that beauty too, the sadness, the grief. So, so it comes in, in, in a polarity type of, type of um, experience, right? So, so I think, is that, is that where you came up with the name of your center? Is that the fifth Yeah, direction? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I mean, you know, it goes back to Patrick's question is what was that profound yeah. moment? And I think, yeah. for, you know, speaking for myself, it, it was the turning inward moment. It was the fact that, oh, okay, so, you know, it's not all about everything outside me. You know, it's, it's actually, I've got everything I need inside and all the answers that I need are within. And as you said, grief, joy, 
whatever's there, like let's 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 explore that. You know, the wounds, all of it, and because that's 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 all I need to do. Everything will kind of look after itself. So you know, making that 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 big about face as you as you said and, and kind of turn inward that that's the beginning point everything grew from from there you know mm-hmm. i do completely understand this, this idea i think all three of us could could point very clearly to specific moments where we were sitting in the muck um i want to i want to ask you asher uh, the importance of discomfort right is 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 hardship something that we need to experience to find this inward path or this enlightened path? Is is it possible? Is it possible someone could go out, walk into the forest, pick up a flower, take a take a, a visual perception of this flower within their hand and just blossom into this enlightened being through beauty? Or is there only one pit? Is there only one path? Do we have to find the muck first? You know, I, I don't. I, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because I don't, um, I, I don't think you can be absolute in these terms. It's a bit like what I said in the beginning around maybe finding enlightenment after stubbing your toe, that kind of thing. But it's interesting because mythically speaking, that flower that you talk of, it's you know, it's often talked about as the the feather, you know, oftentimes mm-hmm. the, the feather of the firebird, you know, um, and 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 mythically speaking, the idea is that the minute you pick up that feather, um, you're introdu- you got you're categorically introducing a lot of trouble into your life. That's the mm-hmm. way it goes. And for me that, um, but that's the way of beauty, you know, because it's in that trouble, it's in that discomfort that we learn. So I'd argue that um, um, there has to be some form of, of descent um, because soul, your soul is down there. You know, it's, it's down in the dirt, it's under the earth. It's a feminine quality. And I think too much of what happens in today's, particularly even in the spiritual world, spiritual, by its very definition is ascent upwards, you know, yeah. up into the sky. And I think if we do that, we don't, we, we, we're not being grounded. Like the roots have got to go as deep as the branches go high in the tree of life. Right. Yeah. And um, if you only go up all the time with all these spiritual uh, ascension and all these practices, um, then you're not going to have very deep roots. And if the wind blows as it invariably does, you're just going to fall over. So for me, you know, I think I mentioned it on the call the other day with Brian, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to learn to swim in the dirt first before you can walk on the water. And I think we're being told culturally and by society that the only way is up and um, you know, yoga and meditation and, and they're all wonderful, but they're seen as kind of ascension practices. And that's why there's a lot of plant medicine going on and all this stuff. We're trying to get, we're trying to have peak experiences and highs all the time. There's no, there's not much growth there. Mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. growth comes from from going down you know when when a seed first um erupts the first thing that happens is it grows a taproot and it yeah. goes down you know and and the, yeah. interestingly that root is called the radical yeah so there's this idea of 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 we need to build radical resilience first and we need to send that taproot like all the way in man so we can anchor and, yeah. and that only happens through discomfort um, mm-hmm. and, and digging into the dirt and getting dirt in our fingernails and in our eyes and in our mouth and that, all that discomfort. And then from there, from there, you can grow into a strong oak tree. And, you know, nothing's, nothing's going to knock you over at that point. But if you just go up, you're pretty easy to knock down again. And life is going to do that to you. Yeah. So, I want to um, touch my on view, this. Man. I want to touch on this idea of stability because I think it's, it's really important. Um, 
you know, you, you can build as beautiful a structure as you want. If it, if it doesn't have a stable ground, um, it's not, it's not going to be beautiful for long, but, but I also want to touch on this idea of this, this thing that you just, just touched on the plant medicine and the highs and the things. Because what I think, what I think is a really interesting uh, way to view that experience, that type of experience is that it, it can offer a window, right? But the window is always closed and you can't, you can't ascend through that window while it's closed. So you can, you can have all these supernatural experiences and you may see things, you may feel things that, that you want to become integral and, and a part of your existence, but the they're not there when, when you, when you come back there, there, there was, it was an opportunity to see something that you might not have been able to see in a, in a normal state, in a non-elevated state. But in order to make those things tangible and real, you have to find a pathway into that experience within. And I think, I think that we, we keep, we'll keep circling back to this beautiful idea of the fifth direction because it is, is a really, it is a really beautiful thing. Um, but this idea of being able to see things that you can't touch, I, I think it's a, it's a thing that, that's really tricky for the human mind because when we see things and when we're that close to something and when we, when we feel impacted by something, you know, you can go to a zoo and you can feel impacted by the, by the sadness of the animals there, but you can't touch them. You can't, you can't impact their experience in any way in the same way that they, that they can impact yours. Um, have you found that have you found that this stability component uh, that you that you've built on is is set up on any specific principles that that allow for the foundation to build this ascension pyramid or this ascension opportunity? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, by the way, man, beautiful words. I appreciate um, your your language there. You just, the, the windows. It's sounding very started off sounding very roomy like and then talking about the animals that you can't touch i was i was thinking about the the poem um the panther by rilke you know which where we, where we spent weeks going down to the zoo in paris just um from open to close just basically really seeing yeah. a panther you know and then that poem evolved which was very um you evoke that with your words there so thank you um so yeah, I mean, the principle for me is it was just the understanding that you know I did in order to 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 get into what was going on inside me. I realized that that what was preventing me from opening that window was the fact that I wasn't exploring my wounds. You know, I was basically I I, I had I had shut that window. I'd put you know the padlock on it. I'd thrown away the key, and I, you know that was just not going to be opened because there was too much pain and too much trauma behind that. You know, I'm talking about childhood stuff here even yeah. you know prior to the things that happened later in life to me but that just obviously you know doubled down on everything but for me i realized that as soon as i turned inward the first thing that i came across was was pain mm. and um and what was keeping me in the ascension all the time was was not the high and the peak experience of that it was not wanting to mm. go into um my pain yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're sitting in a psych ward after all these things that have happened to you, the door or the window is kind of shattered, you know, yeah. someone threw a brick through it. <laughs> so um, you are there with your pain, whether you like it or not. And it's then when you're able to sit still with it, what I was sort of referring to before, you start to realize that there's actually gifts in there, you know? Yeah. So, you know, your, your, your soul sits down there in the descent amongst the blood and the guts and the dirt and 
and the, and the stuff. And, you know, I call it a well, you know, I often refer to it as a well. And at the bottom of that well, what do you find? Um, the gold coins, right? You know, and, and how do you, how do you reveal those gold coins? Well, if you're sitting at the bottom of a well, if you like are all chaotic and you're waving your arms in the air and, and, and disturbing the water, well, the silt and the mud is going to cover those coins. The only way those coins are going to be revealed to you if you just sit still until the water clears. Yeah. Yeah. So stillness in the storm. Yeah. Right. You know, so yeah, it's like a drowning man will drown faster if he starts waving his arms around and gets all, you know, just, just sit still. And so for me, um, I'm not sure if I've circled away from your question a little bit, but for me, it was just learning to sit still in the shit, you know, and realizing that then things will become clear. Yeah. And then when you pushed into meditation, sorry, Brian, um, when you pushed into meditation, what, what from the, from stillness, did there become an active pursuit of, of mindfulness of, of however we, however you would describe your, your version of meditation? You know, the first thing that I came across guys, and and you might be aware, it was heart math. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and so interestingly enough, um, I couldn't even remember back then how that actually came into my vision, but but I connected with HeartMath, okay, and um and and really kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, there you go, right? The M Wave Pro, beautiful, you know. So for me, it was like because I've got a you know I, both sides of my brain um, work adequately well, and so I wanted to sort of understand the, the <laughs> science as well as the spiritual side of it, and I felt like HeartMath gave me both. Like yeah. I felt like I could go either way and I'd come back to the same truth. Yeah. Um, and I, and I really like that about it. So, you know, for me, um, you know, practices around coherence and things like that and, and, you know, feeling into that heart space and noticing it as a color and a shape and, and kind of like, and bringing in those, 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 um, those, um, heart memories of, of gratitude and appreciation and, yes. and love. And, uh, those, that, that was kind of the first, train station stop for me i guess in, in into into my dive into meditation so and i've kept that ever since like became a heart math coach and um and kind of that was really um the first step for me and i really became a coach not because i wanted to coach it at that point it was because i wanted to understand it in as much detail as i could you know yeah um the, the teaching process came a lot later yeah so just as a, a brief aside for, for those of you who aren't familiar with heart math, heart math is a heart rate variability uh, algorithm, essentially, that um, monitoring devices that take a look at the variability between your heartbeats and utilize that to incorporate a coherence uh, score, which, which kind of gives you a, an idea of how your body is physiologically doing with the, uh, with the stress within the current moment of Heart math. Is that, is that a fair enough description? I, I would say that's definitely the scientific description. I would say there's a very spiritual description to it as well. You know, oh, I'd um, like to hear that. I've never heard the, the spiritual description of heart math. Yeah, please. Well, on, only in the sense that, you know, I mean, um, obviously your, your heart is, is your, is the most powerful organ in the body, right. You know, in terms of, you know, we, we're basically just, um, energy and light. So therefore, you know, all the parts of our body are giving off an electromagnetic field as they send out signals to the rest of the body. So all your organs actually have a different strength of field and a different frequency, your liver and, and um, all, all the different, your kidney, your brain, everything. And by far the heart 
um, does most of the heavy lifting in, turn, in terms of sending out a signal, far more so than the brain. Yeah. And if you ask yeah. most people, you know, um, which, which one was the strongest, they'd probably point to their head because that's how we've been um, culturally um, um, aligned to think, but it's not. In your heart, your heart sends out a lot more signals. So therefore, it's got the strongest field. So therefore, if I'm sitting near another human being, what I'm actually feeling into is their heart energy, you know, and yeah. right now, scientifically, it can be measured way outside the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, spiritually speaking, if, if I'm energy and light, then it's the majority of that's coming from my heart space, you know. So this idea that if I'm coherent and I've got a very strong, clear signal, um, an ascending signal between my heart and my, and my brain is very clear, then um, that's how I'm going to show up in the world. Yeah. And it's so, a, go on. No, it's, I was just, I wanted to just, just talk about my heart math experience really quick because I think it really aligns with, as if I'm like selling this product or something. <laughs> I know, it sounds like we sponsored my heart math today, but that's all good. <laughs> but, um, but, but in all seriousness, I went to a life mastery coach or a life mastery program in Sedona, Arizona, and I was introduced to the heart math. And it was, I, I was, this was after my mom had passed and, and, and I was, I was so disjointed from my mind and my heart. Right. So I felt, I didn't understand the coherence between the, between the two. And what I, what I was afraid of with moving into this is I was afraid of the score. I was afraid of the accountability that the program was giving you. Um, but what I soon realized, Asher, and this is, and Patrick, and this is really also led me into my meditation path as well is how good I was at the actual skill of when I applied myself to it, of matching up my brain and my heart and how my scores were through the roof right from the jump, right from the very beginning. And so, and what I, what I'm really going after this is like anyone out there who's listening to this, who has, has those similar feelings or, or maybe hasn't even jumped onto the path of meditation and they're wondering, you know, how do I do it? Am I doing it right? All those type of things. Um, you're always doing it right is, is my, is, is my sort of um, my invitation for you because from my experience, again, I was so disjointed, but just immediately as I was able to like fall into line with my heart and with my mind and that empowered me to step further into the capability or the possibility of myself, right. Of really diving deeper myself. And I could not have done that without taking that first step. So just like you, Asher, there's there's a there's a there's a level of commitment that is involved with taking a first step, and you never really know whether that step is the right step or, or it's the wrong step. But just take the step, because mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, or maybe ten times out of ten, it's going to lead you to a place that that will be able to connect you deeper to yourself. And 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 and, and to make a long story even longer, I think that's really what human beings. Are designed to do right is to take those steps take those unknown steps and commit a little bit deeper to to themselves so i really resonated with that story asher thank you yeah man it's um there's a lot to to we could unpack in what you just said there but absolutely i mean some of the things that are coming up for me as you were speaking was um um i think you said uh something around you know doing meditation you know you're always doing it right and my sudden thought was Actually, potentially, from a Buddhist point of view, you're always doing it wrong, and that's right. <laughs> because you know, because meditation is essentially noble failure. 
Mm. You know, it's mm. failing and failing again as thoughts come in and, you, and you're coming back to your focus, coming back to your focus, coming back to your focus. And I think over time you get, you get better at that, but it's, it's just constant failure. Um, and I think that's, that's the absolute beauty of it because that's, that's perfect. That's right. That is right. Yeah. Go ahead, Asher. Oh, I was just going to say the other thing I was, I was mentioning is, yeah, and, 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 you know, to begin, begin, you know, that's William's, William Wordsworth. And people say to me, like, you know, where do I start? And I'm like, at the beginning, just, just begin. You know, there's really, there's really nothing more you need to think about other than that, you know. And from a hero's journey perspective, it's like you actually have to start where you don't know where you're going. That's actually implicit. You know, as, you know, as, as all the great myths will tell you, you go to the darkest part of the forest um, and where there is no path. And that's where you begin because there's a path already there. Yeah. By definition, it's not yours because somebody else has created it. We were on a, a hike deep in the, deep in the forest, Patrick and I, and our, and our two women, our, our partners, and um, out of nowhere popped a, one of the most beautiful flowers I've ever seen, uh, an American lotus. Remember that, Patrick? Out, out of the mud and like it was like he, he stopped and he, he I, I was like I was so interested in Patrick's um, behavior in the, in the forest he's such a I don't want to say a forest man but he, but he, but he feels so comfortable in, in, in that environment and so I was just like 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 leading a, a dog or a, or a blind someone who's blind I was just following him along right we all were and, and we stopped at this little it was a little pond that was like situated away from the main pond or the main lake. And in that lake, in amongst the mud, amongst the dirt, amongst the grit, was this beautiful American lotus. Patrick got down. He was inspecting it. I was like, what are you doing, man? That looks dangerous down there, you know? So, <laughs> but he was just being respectful of um, this beautiful opportunity and this beautiful moment of, of birth and of beauty and of, and of, and of just like, just pure connection to, to mother nature, to, to, to God, to spirit, to all of us. It was this moment that I'll never forget in my life. And um, so, man, I want to thank you, Patrick. I thank you for that, for that <laughs> moment. And just for that and for yeah, leading with thanks. an open heart and that experience, man. Thanks for reminding <laughs> me of that. That was, yeah, a, yeah. That, that was a good time. Was. Nature yeah. is a beautiful place. Um, so, so yeah, I, I want to come back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's nature, man. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we are, are nature, nature right? We yeah, are no, nature. It's, it's the thing that I keep coming back to in a lot of these conversations you have with people. Yeah. They say, yeah. you know, you got to go, like, nature's out there and I've got to connect to it somehow. And, my, my, you know, connecting to nature is something we talk about a lot. And, and my view is, how do you connect to something that you already are? Yeah. You know, so for me, it's not so much as it's not so much as connecting to nature as much as reminding yourself that you are nature. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's what I felt in that moment. You know, yeah. I, felt, I felt I felt pure connection. I felt I felt not a flower, but I felt a connection to myself. That's it. Yeah, the flower so is you. The flower wow. is you. you. You're one and the yeah. same. And that's 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 the thing. So I, I think that rather than going out into the forest to reconnect to nature, it's actually um, going out into the forest to remind yourself that that is who you really are. God, that's so good, man. Thank you. <laughs> I'm lit up with those little goosebumps. <laughs> <So cool. laughs> I don't know how many miles away we are, but it still transmutes through the screen, through this, through this. That's uh, hot math. That's hot math, baby. Yes, it is. 
<laughs> and Asher, while we're on, man, I owe you a big thank you as well. You know, I, my, my life has changed. We, yeah, Patrick, we met, um, we met in the East Forest Council. So um, East Forest has a little council of people he's invited on. And, and um, we met there and we kind of sidebar, we connected, we connected in the, in the meditation. I think for both of us, that's something mm-hmm. we expressed and that Peace Force plays plays music while 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 he does he does like a guided meditation around what the what the council talks about. It's a very beautiful offering. And then after that, we sidebarred and had a like an hour conversation um, on Zoom. And he was and Asher has been so um, instrumental in my healing journey. I'm getting emotional talking about this because just in the past month, the past like I don't know how many weeks it's been since we've spoken like on this format, Asher, it's maybe like a month, six weeks. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in those six weeks I have um, put in my two weeks for my yoga position. I am now um, the manager of a place called optimize me in Tempe, Arizona, which is um, ice baths, sauna and um, breath work, compression pants, a healing modality. And I got offered this position by, by sitting in a hot tub, like the managers just came over the manager of their other other location came over to me and said, I like your energy. Would you like to interview for um, this position? And so you are always in my front of my mind when I'm not only in the ice, but when I'm um, just starting to, to, to step into this new version of myself that, that feels like super, super scary um, because I'm, I'm leaving a part of my life that, um, is very near and dear to my heart. And it's a part of my, my being that will always be there. And, and like I said, like, I feel like my yoga teaching is like an extension of my mother almost. Um, but I'm now realizing that in this, in this new modality, in, this, in my new shoes, um, my new suit that I'm wearing, it's going to be an even bigger opportunity for me to help more people and for to connect more people and to, um, and to realize again, sort of um, my wholeness that that exists, right? I, I feel like I'm whole and complete, but but still always working, right? Towards towards that towards that center. So uh, you know, I just wanted to give you a really big uh, thank you, man. And, and if I was next to you, I would hug you. And um, so thank you, Asher, just for being um, a bright light in, in my life. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the, you know, the vulnerable share there. But, you know, um, again, what's coming up for me there is kind of interesting because it was your health situation, which, which led you to me. So um, I I think there should be, you know, underneath meeting me, there's almost a gratitude to that. For sure. Yeah, um, because it's very connected to the to the ice and the conversation that we had. Like we would not have had that conversation without that. That was kind of a connecting gift there. You're correct. So, um, You're right. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because that's really how it showed up in my life too. In terms of, I often believe that the physical manifestations um, of of disease are so important as guides to taking us, you know, to to to, to I guess helping us to follow our, 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 our compass or, or at least reading our compass more accurately, you know, because um, time and time again, like I, I can, I can, I can lead back from my cancer diagnosis all the way. Like I wouldn't have a child in the world without my, if I wasn't diagnosed with cancer, the way the stars aligned. Wow. So if I, if, if I give back my cancer, I give back my son. Wow. And so there's no way that's happening. No. So, you know, no. it's, I just find the whole thing just so fascinating. It's like, I think we've got to get to this idea of, of 
you know, just radical um, welcoming. You know, it's like whatever shows up at the door, whatever shows up at the door, it's 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 thank you. I'm glad you're here. It's a radical acceptance. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. There is a there is a big a big part of me that that had been reluctant to accept um, some of the messages that have been sending that that have been coming my way. Right. And, sure. and just this, just in the past six weeks, man, of, of just, of, of honoring the, cause I was going through such a, I was banging my head against the, the, the door trying to figure out what was happening when all I needed to do was surrender into it, <laughs> relax for a minute, for a minute, honor what I'm, what I'm feeling and then figure out a plan of attack to attack it in a mindful way um, mm-hmm. without sort of the conventional Western way of dealing with things like here's a pill and, and good luck. So there's, um, yeah, the, that, the, the radical acceptance and the, the radical vulnerability, right. To accept what you're, what you're, what you're feeling, what you're feeling. So there's like this circle, like we were talking about these forest council, there's a, almost a composition of things that are happening constantly. hundred percent, man. You know, it's, um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I think I might've mentioned this too, but the, I, oftentimes I, I meet people and we have this, the idea of acceptance, a little, a little miscued like a sec acceptance doesn't have to mean agreement yes. you know like you, you don't have to agree with the idea that this health condition has come about but that's very different from acceptance people say oh, i can't accept that and what they're really saying is i don't agree with that yeah that's <laughs> it's right. like they're two completely separate things you know you can absolutely not agree with it but still accept it that's you right know? And, and, and i think yeah yeah it's like, it's like the pandemic patrick when your studio had to close you know what mm. I mean? It's like I accept it, but I don't agree with it. Correct. I mean, I, I hate to bring up that, that 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 moment again, but I mean, it's just it's it's such a I, when 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 that happened for Patrick, I learned through Patrick's behavior the because he responded to that Asher in a way that was like so so powerful for me to witness, and it was um one one of strength, one of confidence, one of leadership, and one of you know, I don't really sure know what the heck's going on here, but I'm going to trust that I don't know what's going on. And I'm still going to go through my daily activities, my daily, my daily things that I need to do. And matter of fact, I'm going to start up another business just in case this one doesn't work. You know what I mean? So he, it was just this, this beautiful, I learned a huge lesson for him that to take when, when, when something really crappy happens to you, whether it be a diagnosis or a studio closing or a passing of someone, a trauma, or everyone, like just, if you can just accept that for what it is, Realizing you can't change it, and again, like you said, you may not like it, <laughs> then there's an opportunity to, to grow. Patrick was growing in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a studio closing. Like, it was this, and, and, and Patrick, I don't know if you know this, but you kind of drug me along, man. And you're like, all right, bro, you're going to come with me and grow too, or this <laughs> <laughs> kind of happening. So um, I, I don't want this to be like a thank you moment, but I guess it's turning into that, which is fine. So man, thank you for your leadership in that, Patrick. You have, you have shown me so much from, from how darkness can lead to, like, look where you're at right now, man. Look, look, look at your life right now. Like, it's so, so beautiful. So thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. I, again, it's something I, I wasn't really aware of in the moment. And I think... Yeah. You know, the old, so I want to, I want to go back both of you guys, you know, I think the question is, the question is more, 
was there any other possibility that your life could go down, right? Like the, the, the reality is the, these things show up in the, the universe, Asher, I use get hit by a truck, you use get hit by a train, but whatever it is, right? If you don't take the first nudge and you don't take the punch in the face nudge and, and you get smacked by the truck or you get smacked by the train, the, your course of life is going to shift. So, so I, I, when I think back on these things, you know, you know, my 15 years ago of two years of being bedridden, I, that's my, like, that is, that's the thing for me that, that shifted me onto a path that, that changed everything. And I'm thankful for it every day. And I, I, I don't think there was another, I don't think I, there was no other path that existed for me though. I don't see like, oh, there was a fork in the road and, and my fork went left. I see there was one path and it made a left turn or it made a right turn, but it, I couldn't be anywhere else other than right here on this call, talking to you two in this moment. Do you, do either of you have a different sense about, about your reality? I, I, I agree in the sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, broadly speaking, I, I think it's, it's, it can be a little more nuanced than that because you know, the life is going to, uh, the universe is going to keep throwing you these things, but you could have come out of those two years in bed and, and decided not to listen. Um, in which well, case I you, you would have if... had a bigger lesson from the universe, right? But it, <laughs> you, you may have still ended up on this call, but um, yeah, you might be, you know, there, there might be another um, experience that you'd had leading up to that, you know, which might, may have been less pretty than two years in bed. So, so I, I think of it this way. It's like, think of a piece of furniture right now, right? Whatever piece of furniture popped into your head, what put that piece of furniture there? Well, what put that piece of furniture there was the experiences that you've had up until this moment that allowed for that one thing to be, to be the thing that, that manifested within your brain. Um, but you, you, like, you had the choice of any other piece of furniture on the planet. You could have thought of anything. There were no limitations. It was just a piece of furniture but you thought of that one and there was nothing that you did to think of that one other than think of that one. And when I think of like, when I think of the way that the way that I responded and the way that I change uh, when things happen, it's not like, it's not a, it's not a decision that I'm like consciously working out. It is, this is who I am and, and who I am manifests itself in the moment to create a path that I really have no control over because I was born into an experience 41 freaking years ago. And it's just, I've been on this path since then. So I, I agree it is nuanced. Um, but I also think that there's this, uh, I, I'm really starting to turn the, the corner on the illusion of free will. Uh, because we just, there's, there, think of a number between one and infinity, right? Like whatever number pops into your head, we didn't, we didn't do anything actively to make that number happen. It just happens. It just arises. It's just us. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think this is a, a tremendously broad conversation. We start talking about free will and, and, um, and you know, destiny versus fate, and 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 determinism versus fatalism. It becomes extraordinarily complex very quickly. But broadly speaking, I, I'm I'm agreeing with with what you're saying for sure. Um, and I even think it's kind of interesting because you try to do something random. If you start to unpick that, um, it sort of almost doesn't become random anymore. It's like if I ask right. you, to, like you said, choose a number, even if you said 
oh, well, um, I'm going to toss a coin, right? Well, I can say, well, the reason that you're tossing a coin is because you learned that either from your parents or from your friends or something like that. So you're not choosing that randomly either. Um, as a, you know, you could, you could, you could do it another way. You know, you could, uh, pick a card or something like you've chosen a way to choose something randomly. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's therefore not random. Yeah. <laughs> so no it's, it, and you, you can, there's a really deep rabbit hole here that you could definitely go down. But I mean, for me, I just sit back and go, well, whichever way you want to look at that, you know, it, it's all calling me into just seeing life as, 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 as beautiful and, and a celebration and a ceremony. And here we are. Right. And, and the universe has conspired to put us three together in, 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 in on a zoom call at this particular time. And that's just beautiful. And that's why, you know, the, the old, the, the llamas and the enlightened ones, like that's, I believe that's why they're laughing all the time because, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, if I, you know, toss something on the, on the chair here and it lands, lands in a particular place in a particular way, like out of all the infinite possibilities, that's where it landed. I could never repeat that. And that's how they, they laugh simply because it happened in the face yeah. of all the other infinite things that could have happened. So yep. therefore things don't become good or bad anymore. They're all just miracles. Yeah. That, that reminds me of a beautiful quote by Alan Watts is that, yep. um, is that angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. You know, yeah. no, I like that. And I that's, like that. Uh, it's pretty much what you're saying. It's, uh, you know, for me, for me, it's, it's, um, there was a point in my life where, where I tried to, I'm glad I'm laughing about this now, because there was, there was a time in my life where I, I deliberately tried to do the wrong thing. So, so I, so I, I was living my life um, on, on, on the edge deliberately, and I was, I was pushing that envelope or pushing that edge so much that thank God it never ended up in jail or, or dead. Right. But, but, but I mean, there was, there was, there was inevitably a bounce back from the universe, a bounce back that nudged me in, into a different direction, whether or not I wanted to go there or not. So, so for me, it's no matter how hard I've tried to not be on this path, it's, it's, I, I'm on this path now. And, and mm. I've always been on this path. And mm. so for me, understanding that there's always two choices um, and that when those two choices are nudging up against each other, um, all the practices that I put in play, like meditation, yoga, breath work, ice, sauna, all the things, they're giving me space to allow my heart to direct me in the right way as opposed to my ego or my ego trip, as Ram Dass would say, right? So there's, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to add into that. I, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. There's so many things that are springing up for me in so many directions. Like we could kind of take this um, whenever one of you guys presents something i'm like oh man it's all these it's great it's sparking a lot of stuff in me so beautiful thank you for that yeah but i i wanted to talk to that idea about um trying to do the wrong thing right yeah because it's not it's actually the right thing for you um you know always because for me it's like um particularly for with with us it, in, in in the way we live in in modern culture we, we don't have much in the way of initiation processes anymore. We're not really initiated into anything, you know, so there's no conscious descent anymore. And so we don't, you need to descend as we talked about to get into the mud and shit to like learn something about yourself and what you're doing on this. You, you, you kind of self initiate when you do that process yourself, when you go into 
trying to do the wrong thing and ending up in jail and nearly dead. It's a self-initiation process to find out who you really are. It's, it's, it's a depth, it's a dive into your own soul. So it may feel like the wrong thing, but it's actually exactly the right thing. And um, from a mythopoetic point of view, we might call that the way down and out. It's like the world isn't giving me any initiation. It's not, you know, the, the men aren't taking me away from the village and putting me through an initiatory, initiatory process where I go from a boy to a man and nearly die. So I'm going to do it to myself. Um, and, and we do that. We do that in modern culture through that sort of thing, like what you're talking about. We do it through, you know, tattooing ourselves. We do it through, you know, whatever the things that you do. Uh, it's just a, it's just a way of self-initiating because you know that you need that in your life and culture isn't giving it to you anymore. So, you know, you chose the way down and out. There's kind of three or four different ways in the mythopoetic lens that you can do that. And a lot of men do choose the way down and out, which is like, I'm just going to, you know, um, 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 lower my status by, you know, doing drugs or wearing shitty clothes or growing my hair out, of, you know, just acting like a, like a certain person, you know, treating women badly, whatever it happens to be. A lot of the time it's just, you know, a desperate attempt to self-initiate because you want to learn something about yourself. So you've got to take yourself close to that edge. Yeah. Um, you have to. So it's not the wrong thing. It's the right thing because it's your, it's your, it's, it, it is bleeding from the heart because you need that to happen in order to be initiated into the next phase, you know? Thank you for that. I hope my father listens to this podcast because it'll make a lot more sense about what the hell I did as a young boy. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, it's basically a search for meaning. Yeah. You know, and it's right. perfectly um, acceptable. Right. Um, not, not in the sense of the, some of the things you did may not be acceptable, oh, but the general, that the general trajectory of what it is you were trying to do yeah. or what your soul was trying to expose um that's that's okay yeah i appreciate that insight that, that, uh, that's huge yeah thank you that's mm. pretty fascinating there's there's, fascinating. there's some deep dives in there <laughs> yeah man and, God, and the only reason I'm, i i can say that with conviction is because i did it myself yeah yeah you know, yeah, I was I was um, gonna say that just sounds like like being a young man, Brian. I feel like I feel like but but I think you're I think it's a really interesting call out to say that, that that ritualistic bridge or crossover from boyhood to manhood is is no longer a part of, of culture or most cultures. And and the fact yeah. that that's missing, the implications that has on society are 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 pretty profound when you when you start to dig into that thought a little bit. Yeah. Well, for men, that for, for for young boys now, we we we, we lack elders, you know, in this that that that, that are um, guiding us through this process. So, yeah. you know, in a culture with no elders, what you end up with is young boys trying to initiate each other. Yeah, and um, that's and that's why that's what gangs are. Yeah, yes, exactly. so that's, that's what, what street point. gangs are. It's yeah. just it's just yeah. boys trying to initiate boys in yeah. with, with the lack of elders. Yeah. And so, you know, a boy can only initiate another boy into what they know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and there's no elder wisdom there. So, of course, it's going to end up looking like it does. There's a, there's a beautiful platform that, that, you, that you are a major part of, and that's the warrior with, if you could see that. Mm. Yeah. So, Asher invited me on to this platform. It's a, it's a, it's a men's group, right? And, and the, the amount of... I've, I've been, I haven't been participating. My own deep dives into, into the, into the, the literature on here, into all the readings and the podcasts, into all the different resources they have on, on the warrior within. And it is that what I, 
that there is that that um, that mentorship piece, right? That 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 honoring of the of the elders and 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 the lifting up from 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 beneath of the I don't want to say students, but of the other men who are you know walking this path. But everyone's sort of at different stages of their journey. So I feel like the different components that you've laid out in your life, Asher, have is 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 just so important these days to, to to be able to do exactly what you were saying to have an initiation piece to have someone who's i was going to say the f word who's who's messed up before in the past um to to show you that that like you were saying that, that it's okay it's okay to be a human being and and mm. at the and and once you honor that circle then like there's there's ways to push past that resistance and into that other, the other layer of, 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 of um, reality, if you will, whatever reality really means. Right. So um, I wanted to thank you for, for you, for this, for offering um, this to me and anybody out there who's, who's looking for some, a, an amazing men's group that, that has lots of opportunities out there. I would highly recommend the warrior within. Thanks, brother. No, I appreciate that. It's and and you know you've summed up you know pretty accurately what we're attempting to do there. And it really is you know once you're in, we offer programs in there that really do offer that initiatory experience for men, kind of helping them to understand where they've been, but also giving them a, a map for the for the future um, in terms of um, you know the, the the process and how they can start to uh, to understand the arc of their life more fully. Um, and that, that some of these, as we're talking about, you know. Also about taking responsibility for the shit you've done too. It's not like, you know, oh, that's okay, Brian. You, you went and did all these shitty things and, you know, uh, it's like, yeah, that was your soul trying to talk to you and put you, put you on your path. But at the same time, you've got to take responsibility for the shit that you caused. Um, that's part of stepping up and stepping into manhood, you know. That's it. Um, it's like, yeah, I can understand why now, but that doesn't mean that I shirk the responsibility. <laughs> There's, um, I'm actually headed into a, <laughs> this is also timely, right? I'm headed into, um, um, with, with, to do some work with a, an emotional um, uh, wellness coach um, on Friday. And that's to, to really dive into some of the emotions that, I, that, I'm, that are um, struck out of like guilt and shame for, 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 for the past, for my past um, discrepancies, if you will. And just, just even opening that door has, has brought up so much for me this week. And I'm, I'm just, I, I feel a sense of freedom um, just even saying the words out loud to two other men, guilt and shame. <laughs> um, and those are powerful words that describe um, a part of me that, that is just starting to open up. And my wife said something to me the other day. She said, she said, I feel like you're, you're different. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, I feel like you're, <laughs> that I've seen, I'm seeing more of your heart than I've ever seen before. So that was a really powerful statement for me to hear from my beautiful wife. And I think that um, just conversations like this, like, like, like th these opportunities and um, the opportunities that I've presented in my life are just they're opening me up in a way that I never knew was possible. I'm just super, super grateful about it. Every time I think I've opened up and I can't open up anymore, then there's three more layers that I continue to open up. So, 
Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, um, you know, guilt and shame is a huge, huge piece of it. And you know, from the worry within perspective, it's so much of what we're dealing with in there is 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 how we um yeah we, we look at our guilt and shame because we carry so much of it around. Particularly here we are, like three three men um, or three humans that identify as men on the on, on the call. Um, and um, there's just so much guilt and shame wrapped up in in masculinity, you know. Um, and and we 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 it starts off from when we're when we're when we're kids, you know, it's like we're told, you know, at least the vast majority of us told, you know, don't, don't cry. Don't, um, don't, don't be afraid. These are things which when we do feel these things as an older person, we now start feeling guilt and shame about because we were told that that was the framework we were given. So for a man, if you feel fear, that's shameful. You may, you may not see it on the outside, but there's a little boy in you, which feels it. Um, or, or if you cry or, you know, even if you touch, you know, hug all these things that we were kind of um, we were told were kind of shameful things as as a little boy in terms of how we frame our manhood. You know, and it all sits inside. I think it's Robert Bly. He said, um, "Adult men need to grieve the little boy inside them that died of shame." Huh. And I'm like, "Whoa, that's like yeah. a punch in the chest." Yes. Um, and bad. and it be yeah, and and it begins with. Um, speaking your shame out loud in yes. brotherhood or in, in, in groups of like us three right now, you know, there's a, there's a wonderful quote, you know, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Oh. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so powerful. Yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah. And what else is powerful too, is the power of a hug. <laughs> like uh, oh, man. when Patrick and I hug dude, like, wow, I feel like my, I feel like I feel the universe. I, I, I mean, I, I, I just, I've, I've hugged other men before, but Patrick, you got a great hug, man. And I, I look forward to <laughs> hugging you, Asher, because I can only imagine the the feelings I'll get off that. And this can is I, I'll, 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 I'll joke for a little bit, Brian. But it's funny because yeah. I see a lot of guys, you know, in Warrior Within, so a lot of guys hugging each other. And actually, one thing was very beautiful because we run these physical circles in in Melbourne and Sydney on the same at the same simultaneously, like at the same time, so they're all connecting each other's energies. And nice. last Tuesday, when we ran our circle, just you know completely um unplanned some some of the sydney guys happened to be in melbourne for the first time and some of the melbourne guys happened to be in sydney and so we were meeting people in the flesh that we'd spent a lot of time doing men's work together on zoom and other things and wow. and, and like you know over a year um for some of them and to see these guys for the first and knowing that it was happening in both cities it just happened that way and those hugs were, were some of the best hugs i've had in a long time man just like having been through a bunch of shit with, with, with a human, but over a screen like this, and then to actually see them in the flesh, it was like, oh, my God. And knowing it was happening simultaneously in reverse, you know, in a different city, it was, it was really cool. It was really cool. But I was going to laugh and say about hugging is I think men need hugging lessons. Because <laughs> I think uh, particularly when men hug each other and particularly, you know, um, uh, in, in, in cultures where they're not kind of used to doing that. I yeah. see a lot of, um, a lot of, um, hips getting, getting my hips like out of the way. So that, yeah. so that our, so that our balls yeah. don't touch, you know, yeah. it's like, cause that would be a disaster. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I, I, so I go up to guys and I like push their asses together when they're hugging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't matter, guys. It's all yeah. cool. You know? It's cool. That's funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, it almost funny. looks like really awkward. They're sort of jutting their bums out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes, yes, I do completely. <laughs> I've hugged that way before too. I get it. I know. 
<laughs> just get it all in there. It's all good. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to segue just just for a moment, just because I because I, I want to connect you two on what I think is is something really really powerful that you both share and both have passions for, and that is Patrick, your um, how you teach in story, and how um, Asher, you are very much a storyteller yourself, and I think I mentioned this when we had our Asher and I had our call like six weeks ago, um, so so I just like to to offer this to you guys and, and see if this question lands or, or, or where we take it from here. So, so with, with, um, with, with the storytelling, is it, how did that develop for you? Like, like, is that something that, that, that came natural for you or is it a skill that you worked on? Um, or is it, I just want to find out sort of where that, where that spark was lit for you. Cause for me, when I've experienced Patrick's stories in his, in the way that he teaches yoga, it is, profound um it, it, it takes the practice beyond the asana the physical movements of the body and it moves it to a metaphysical spiritual place that that connects mind body and spirit and that is what yoga is essentially trying to do so i know your stories actually come in a little bit of a different framework but i'll step back and kind of leave you with both of you with those with that question you want to answer that first patrick no, I think I think you you are the A side in this conversation for sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Look, um, uh, it's kind of crept into into my my the way I teach over the years, and now it's it's probably um, the one thing that I find the most powerful. Um, uh, a for me personally, I, I just absolutely love teaching in that way, um, and it's had the most profound impact on me. Um, but I'm finding the same thing in terms of, in terms of, um, people I teach as well, but you know, why I think, look, at the end of the day, we're just meaning making machines. I mean, all we are is story. So if I'm going to teach someone, uh, we also learn much better, um, through metaphor than fact, like, um, you know, if I was to say to you that water is, is two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen, that's very linear. Um, but if I was to tell you a story, about water, um, it would just, the truth of it would land so much deeper. And that's just the way we are. Like everything you see, everything you touch, everything you do, the way you show up, it's all just stories, man. I mean, you know, Buddhism will tell you, you know, emptiness is form and form is emptiness. Like, you know, I could, I could place, is that a lamp next to you there, brother Patrick? Um, this, there was it a microphone thing. Microphone. My God, it's huge. You are, you, you are very well endowed in the microphone department. I have to say. Yeah. Um, I, uh, <laughs> no, but so, but look, you know, for me, it's like, um, um, you, 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 that's just empty of any, of anything until you decide to place your story in it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, everything around you is, is empty of, of anything until we place a story in it. Like, you know, um, a coffee cup is is a container for drinking coffee out of. But if I'm someone who um, um, was involved in a in a very nasty coffee cup accident in my youth that I'm now carrying a scar or something, then I'm going to say that's a dangerous object. And you're going to say, what are you talking about? It's a very safe object. Well, both things are true, all based on story. The coffee cup in and of itself is empty of anything. Yeah. It's, it doesn't, it's, it's just it's a void. So we, we we operate in story, you know. Think about the stories you tell about yourself or about, you know, you know, I mean, 
you know, I've got my story around cancer, but, you know, it's totally different from somebody else's and all, it's all true. But, you know, I guess what I'll end there is by saying, um, I think it was Camus who said, what did he say? He said, um, 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 myths are, are, um, are a series of little lies which tell a greater truth. So it's this idea that facts don't give us the depth of understanding that story and metaphor does. I, I, it, it's something like that. And also those stories that we tell, and I'm sure Patrick's are the same, um, you know, they come from thousands of years ago, but they're happening right now. Mm-hmm. And that's why it enables you to feel fragments of your unconscious kind of coming up to this. You tap into something deeper, you know, and it, I find that, you know, um, I'll tell a story and it's the next day where people will go, Oh my God, something's drifted up, you know? Uh, It's like, it takes us out of, out of our head. You know Um, I think it's Martin Shaw, the storyteller. He says it's a wild way of telling the truth. Mm. Um, He also calls it yoga of the imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there's a really, there's a really long answer. But I'm very passionate about it, so I don't mind yeah. giving a long answer to that one. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, really beautiful. I, I that yoga of the mind is is just such a such a beautiful concept, and I think it's one of the one of the wonderful things about stories is right. We can as soon as we have some some concept of of language, we we can start to interpret stories, and it, it, from a very young age, we start to connect. And and really relate with stories that were told, right? Like, it's it's very unlikely you meet an adult who doesn't have a story from their childhood. What whatever it is, Goldilocks, whatever it is, that's something that resonates with them throughout throughout their life. And there's just there's just a, an inherent power in the connection that stories make within the human experience. And I think it's a beautiful way to to share insights. Yeah, you know, I'd agree. Ideas. You know. Um, Michael Mead has a lovely saying, he says, um, in order to restore the world, we need to restory the world. Mm. And, and I, I think that that's really cool because as a culture, I believe we've fallen out of story. 100%. Um, and this is the problem. So, you know, we need to bring ourselves back to story because story takes us out of ethos and puts us in mythos, you know. Ethos is numbers and, and, and stats and, you know, when I, when I pick up the paper today and I look at, like, you know, the coronavirus or whatever, it's always how many vaccinations, how many deaths, how many, it's all, it's all factually, it's all, it's all um, ethos all the time, which is in your mind. And for me, it's like, how do we tell the story of the coronavirus and the pandemic through mythos, which is actually where the real solutions are going to come. The heart-based stuff out of our stats and numbers and trying to get numbers down doesn't make any sense. These are the two, these are the two ends of the tension arcs that, that, that we live in as human beings. We're always drawn to choose a side in the tension arcs. This is all ethos head stuff. It's like, you know, um, red or blue, you know, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine. Like, and, and you know, unless you choose a side, people can't locate you in time and space. You know, you're kind of a bit of a, a strange person that they can't kind of get their hands around. It makes them very uncomfortable, you know? So they want you to choose a team and they want you to choose their team because then that echo chamber gets bolstered and, you know, they're, they're on the right team, which is good, right? But okay. myth, myth places us right in the middle of, of the tension arc. Um, and so you allow a third way to rise, which is the creative, heartfelt, imaginative mythos space which is 
really where life moves on. Yeah. Yeah. We're, you can tell that we're stuck now as a, as a, as a collective, you know, and, and that's, and you're right. The, the, the invitation, the, the invitation is really always to, to return, return back to yourself. And, and whether that's, whether that is through story or not, I think it's, I think it's story plays a huge piece in that. Um, yeah. For, yeah, for, for me, whenever I dive into one of Patrick's practice and practices, it it takes me out of out of the linear, out of the ethos, right, out of my head, and I and I just and I and I. What's beautiful about a story too is that it's it's um, you're you're taking the the interpretation of the words that you're receiving in through your ears, and then you're creating the story inside your own head through your own experiences and through your own lens and 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 your stories of your mind that you've already had since birth, right? So there's um, there's, it's almost as if you're, it's like building a house with a, with a group of people instead of just one person laying the brick. It's as if you had a group of um, friends come around and just lay different bricks to, to make the house. And not only will you make the house faster, but you'll make it more um, sturdy and more, and more, um, more solid. And I, and I think um, that the, the solidness of, of, of building the, ho- the house or just receiving the story will help, will help sort of catalyst or, or um, be a catalyst for for people to help come back into themselves yeah no i like i like i like the idea of the story being a catalyst um yeah. it's true but it's a catalyst for for yeah you know this imagination to to because we lose our imagination like it's what yeah. patrick was saying you know it's like yeah. it's sort of like it's almost like the definition of being an adult is no longer being curious and imaginative, you know, like losing your childlike capabilities. And I think that as soon as you hear a story or someone says, let me tell you a story, you automatically tap into your, your, your child nature. You're like, oh, because all your memories are like, I remember going to bed and mum and dad doing that. And I was yeah. able to go into some land, you know, <laughs> a story. And, and it's almost like we're giving you permission to, to reignite that within yourself. And um, it's such a beautiful process, man. I love it so much. But, um, you know, I love this idea of the tension arcs, though, that it enables you to, because, you know, as we go through our daily lives, it's like, I've got to do this or that, you know, I've got to choose one or the other. And story allows us to just sit in the middle and let it all rise, you know. Um, The arc of your life is that third way. You know, you think about the two, the two ends of a, of a, of a bow on a bow and arrow, like, the idea is to sit with the tension as, as you pull them back, the tension gets more and more and more. You've got to sit in the middle of all that. And when you finally let that arrow fly, that's the arc of your life. Yeah. You know, think about a relationship. It's the two tension points, you and the other person and the tension is happening and the relationship itself is, is the arrow. Now how, how well you can hold those two tensions is how precisely the arrow is going to fly. Yes. You know, how precisely those two souls will Correct. And interestingly enough, with an arrow, what ha- the, the bow, what happens the more you pull it back, the endpoints get closer and closer together. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. So, so by holding the tension, you're not moving apart, you're moving together. Moving together. Mm. All right, Asher. Um, I know, you, I know you're not feeling great and I don't want to take too much more of your time. I want, while, while we're on this idea of relationships and tension, I want, to, I want to turn this into an opportunity for you to touch on something I've heard you say and that I think is maybe one of the most important pieces of reality that there is. And that is uh, that love is not inherently safe. Um, mm-hmm. And that str- struggling to stay safe is, is really 
in many ways, the antithesis of experiencing love. So I, I want to hear, I want to hear your ideas and concepts around that, because I think it's one of the most important things that, that humans can interpret that will better their lives. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I'm, um, I have a big thing about safety. You know, it seems to me the antithesis of, of life. Yeah. Um, to a certain degree. And I think there's this struggle in the world right now. I mean, I'm not sure about you guys, but it's certainly in Australia, the big hashtag is stay safe. Yeah. You know, we all, we all say it to each other, you know, in, in these Corona times, it's like, you know, stay safe. And I'm like, you, 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 you can't yeah. <laughs> like that. And the whole point is actually not staying safe. You know, I yeah. think um, in, in you know, Rumi, the great ecstatic love poet, you know, he said, run from safety. Yeah. You know, live where you fear to live. And, um, and, and love, yeah, love, love is not safe. I mean, you know, unless you want to, you know, entrap the person, um, unconditional love that they're entitled to leave. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they may not, they may leave not of their own accord because people die as well. And I think yeah. that, um, everyone the that, actually, what's that? Everyone. E- every <laughs> person. It's, it's, it's actually the implicit contract that you sign. Yeah. When you when you fall in love together, it's yeah. there, you know. And and the idea is that maybe the reason that you love is, is because of death. You only have a certain amount of days together. You don't know how and when it's going to end. You know, they could leave, but you know, they could also die. Like, but one of these things is going to happen unless you you know have a suicide pact, which I wouldn't recommend. But you know, as I like to say, you know, one of you is going to be, um, um, you know. It's scattering the other's ashes in the yard at some point. Yeah. And so for me, because of that preciousness of time, the relative unsafety of the whole thing, that's why we love so hard yeah. because of the yeah. uncertainty. Absolutely. So if, if it was safe, you wouldn't love like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. it wouldn't have that. It's the, the it wouldn't power. have that. Oh, that gravity to it. Yeah. yeah. Like we're, we're all on this journey together, guys. And like one of us may not even make it through the day. Yeah. You know, um, so why wouldn't I just pour the, every single ounce of love in my heart out to you guys? Absolutely. Right now. Right now. Urgently. Urgently. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both. Love you both. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Guys, it's been a pleasure, you know, and um, yeah, no, you know, you're right. You know, I was low in energy coming in. I'm not now. And that's you guys. So thank you so much. Thank you, Asher. This yeah, is thank um, you so much. Yeah, man, this has been, <laughs> I can't wait to meet in person. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah, man. It's going to happen sooner than later. I got a, I got a funny feeling about that. And, yeah. um, and I think for all the listeners out there, what a, what a beautiful opportunity to, to, you know, reach out to Asher on, on, on I'm not reach out, but look, look at his Instagram handle. We'll, we'll put that stuff in the, in the, in the show notes. And um, he's a beautiful resource, a beautiful light in this world that um, it has been just an absolute honor and, and privilege to, to have your time, brother. I, I love you. And I love you, Patrick. Thank you, man. Man. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs>